Hello and welcome to the If We Knew Then podcast. I'm Stephen Socks. And I'm Lori Socks. And today we have Dr. Joe Lasky from the Lasky Pediatric Dental Group. This is our second visit with Dr. Joe. I always love talking to her because dentistry and dental health can be overwhelming for many reasons. And she just has a way of putting you at ease and giving you approaches that are accessible and realistic. And that has been such a useful tool for both of our kids, for both Liam and Sophia. And she's a mom. You know, she has two boys. I think it probably stems from that, that she understands the reality of a household and trying to get kids to brush, floss, and maintain their their dental health. And if it's not something we can do as parents, then we're not going to do it, right? Oh, totally. And in this episode, in particular, she gives us tips to share with you on how to tackle those what can be overwhelming, you know, nighttime uh, routines. Her practice is in Studio City, California. So if you're living in the Southern California area. She is definitely worth the drive. She had an office that was a little further before uh, when we were looking for a dentist for our kids. And I have to tell you, just... Sophia, Liam is not the one who had dental problems. Sophia, Sophia had a lot of dental challenges, and uh, I mean, it was it's it's worth the drive to have somebody who is going to be patient and caring and kind and and loving, if you will, if uh, for a dentist to be loving. I think that is a very unique combination. But she's the most loving and kind dentist that gets the job done and does an amazing job that I have ever happened upon. And it's a family affair. Her husband, Michael, uh, is the other doctor in the practice. Right. And, uh, and I think maybe that's it. Maybe it's just, it's about family. So from our family to yours, in this month of gratitude, let us share with you someone we are profoundly grateful to know, Dr. Jill Lasky. Dr. Jill, thank you so much for joining us again on the podcast. Well, thank you for having me. It's our pleasure because you have been such a gift in in our lives and our learning about how to approach the dentist that we're so fortunate to be able to share that with everybody else. Obviously, many people may have concerns about going to an appointment during the pandemic, especially if they may feel a checkup is not totally necessary. What safety valves have you had to build in your practice and, and, and what physical changes have you made in the office to stay safe and, and help ease concerns of your patients? Ourselves, we have a face mask so that looks different. Um, I clip mine on my glasses so it's not that invasive looking. Um, we have double masks. The hygienists wear a yellow gown. I do depending on what procedure I'm doing. Um, but the waiting room is different and no toys and the toy box is now like candy jars. You know, I filled up toys and you tell the front desk what you want. Um, 
we're not really having as many parents in the back anymore. I mean, we can still have them in the private rooms, but in that open area, really, if the kids can have a hygienist clean them, we're having the parents stay the front. And um, there's like these shower curtain devices between the chairs. And then we spray the rooms after everyone gets up with a non-toxic disinfectant that kind of cleans the air and the HEPA filters around and these sneeze guards on the front desk, hand sanitizers and the waiting room is kind of rearranged. I mean, it still looks homey. It was very important that I keep it that way. And the aesthetics are really clean still. Um, People are adapting. I know staying open for your patients is important and you want to make the office a safe place for them and and your staff and yourself, but you, you still want to keep the place warm. You want this office to be inviting, you know, um, a, a comfortable place, a calming place. I know you have high standards for safety. So what kind of guidance did you have for all these changes? Well, there's tons and tons of webinars. That's what we did, especially the last two, the last two to three weeks before we opened. I, there's not necessarily like a number, but um, of people you have to be in the space, which we definitely cut down the volume and just we've kind of adapted. There are guidelines the American Dental Association put out, like your returning to work guidelines, and the CDA had some. So we just kind of like use the different guidelines. Like you take your temperature, there's questions you've asked before. My staff has to have to have their temperature taken every day. I mean, it's a combination of what Michael and I have studied, what we thought we could adapt to our space, what's applicable to our space. Um, the hard guidelines is we can't do all dentistry yet because we're really not supposed to use the the drilling handpiece yet, um, unless it's a emergency. So we've modified what procedures we can do. That's probably the most strict guidelines. Um, but they've evolved. When we first opened, you could do things that we can't. That we could do some more things again. It's it's always evolving. So patience um, has been the key thing that we've had to learn for sure. Patience and being um, very open and having our whole team be open that's been a another interesting aspect to this trying to make sure everybody feels comfortable it's really important to me that the staff feels comfortable before we can invite anyone to our home so we did dry runs we had individual like by front desk team and the hygienist team and the assistance team we had stuff done you know with all the prep work yes well patience is the key especially as we learn more and more as how to implement these protocols Exactly. It's, it's everyone is learning how to to evolve. Everyone's learning how what maybe worked today and then, oh, guess what? Now we're changing. And it, it's taking that parenting skills to a next level and trying to actually remind a bunch of 20, 30, 40, you know, year old men and women that we still have to change what, what was what was what worked, you know, two months ago isn't working now. It's a definitely learning for everybody. One thing about dentistry that maybe not everyone is aware of is just how important the health of your teeth and your gums are to your overall health. We discussed in our last interview with you some issues and, and non-issues when it comes to tooth decay in children with Down syndrome, but what can't be overlooked is the correlation of gum health to overall inflammation of the body. Right. And we're finding, you know, more and more, more than we understand about, you know, like it used to be, you know, you have a cavity, you eat candy, you don't brush your teeth. And it's so not true. And that's, I mean, yes, <laughs> more people are more prone because of the bacteria levels in their mouth. So some people have to work harder to make sure that if they have 
the you know less than ideal chemistry, they're more at risk for decay. And that you know that's why when I said about you know kids with Down syndrome, typically they fall in the lower risk for cavities. But their gum health is important to make sure they can masticate and chew properly, and make sure that their you know tongue is still in the best condition it can be, and all those other things is important too. Um, make sure that they're also careful because the another thing that's very common is they have missing teeth besides the teeth being smaller they don't always have their sec the full dentition they don't have a full amount of adult replacements for all their baby teeth so a lot of times there might be kids with down syndrome or young adults or older adults that still have baby teeth in their mouth so you need to make sure that they don't get a second chance on that tooth that it is as healthy as possible so the gum and the periodontium that is holding it the gum and bone that's holding those baby teeth in their mouth is so critical because there's no replacement for that so they need to have it when they're you know in their adult life in their 40s and 50s plus. Which brings about a topic that everybody loves, and that's flossing. Do you want? Would you talk about flossing? I know Stevens just discovered the water pick. Do those go? Do those go hand in hand? Flossing and water pick. Yeah, the latest research shows that if you um, use a water pick, the um, I only can speak for the water pick brand. There are ADA studies, American Dental Association studies, that that is equivalent to flossing, and a water pick is definitely more user-friendly than flossing, although there are different flossing um, tools, like this thing called gum chucks that has a two-handed model that's easier to floss properly, but the water pick is an absolute amazing tool. They have ones now that even can go in the shower, so you don't necessarily need to floss or do that kind of gum care, floss or water pick in conjunction with brushing. So if you're bathing once a day, you can have the water pick in your shower or bathtub. And especially since it's on the messier side and you're in a water environment, you know, you know, does not doesn't matter as much. And you can, you know, use your water pick when you're bathing and then that's the one time a day you can brush brush your teeth before or after. So it's a great, great um, adjunct and it definitely you don't need the same dexterity. Um, and it feels good to have the kind of like that, you know, pressure washer on your on your gums so it's a, a great tool um, wa water pick or flossing is imperative to keeping your gums healthy well I can tell you probably no matter how healthy your gums are you can brush your teeth and rinse your mouth and then you get a water pick in there and and and, and it only it has to happen every once in a while you'll go wait how did how did that just come out yeah because of that we're going to get into the boring but it's the amount of the angle and the pulsing that it'll get things up in the sulcus which is the the um kind of like the neck between the tooth and the gum and it the water can kick things up that were down there deeper that our toothbrush bristles can't sweep down there and flossing only goes between the teeth it doesn't go like on the the flat part the direct part of your your tooth so yeah the water fix great you know you mentioned the pulsing i uh for me i don't use the pulsing just because i don't know if it's doing as much it doesn't feel like it's this strong but you were just mentioning it, it does it sometimes maneuver things better well, it does. It even just the way it squirts out, that you know, it's just the even if he's on a regular mode, it still has like a pulsing that you're not aware of. That it, it does. It's just the, it's just how it's manufactured. That's why I know that the water pick brand has that, and that's what the studies are correlated with versus some other brands. I don't know if they have that same capacity. It's fine to use on the standard mode as well. In regards to the water pick, do you have any suggestions or approaches for somebody who has Down syndrome? 
Like how, how would I approach, like for Liam, what advice would you give me if uh, I wanted to start him on a water pick? So the best thing to do for all dental care when you're trying to do it on somebody else is to go from behind. So in front, even if it's, you know, a parent, a loving caregiver, right? It, you're you're going to be more, something's coming at you, right? So our animal instinct is to dodge it, right? So if you're from behind and the child puts their head up to the, looking at the ceiling, then they're looking their eyes to eyes and you can see the person and then you have more control of their head. So that's, that's the first thing I would do. So for brushing, that's the technique I recommend. Um, and for using any kind of water pick, or if you want to floss your child, so have them stand, you stand behind them, they put their head up and then you are able to brush or use a water pick. If you want them to model or want them to try to do it independently, um, the one that I refer to that can go into the shower is portable. It's wireless. So you, they can use it with one or two hands, depending on, you know, their grasp and, and their dexterity level and just have them close their lips. I would first show them with it off and show them kind of put it at the gum line and then to point it on, you have to pierce your lips so it doesn't go everywhere. Um, but just kind of, I would mimic it by guiding them with their hand on the machine, on the apparatus, you know, with you. And then eventually they'll be able to let your hand go, just like you would the training wheel or a bike or anything else. You kind of have to guide them through and then eventually they'll feel comfortable and you let go and you let them, you know, go at it. But coming from behind is key. So toothbrush, obviously the main tool to use. Um, if you can try to get your kids to floss. You had mentioned gum chucks that might help with flossing, make it a little easier. I mean, with the handles and stuff. And I know Sophia uses those, she really likes the gum chucks. Also, a water pick, which is a very effective option, feels good in your mouth. Um, some kids might really like that. Are there any other tools that you recommend that parents can introduce to their children to help them maintain oral health? Yeah, I've had parents have success with like the the double-headed toothbrushes, um, especially if their child really likes to gnaw and chew, if that's kind of like whenever there's something in their mouth, they, they tend to chew on it. There's ones um, that have like bristles on both sides. A lot of parents like that. There's ones where it's like two hands. It's almost like a, a two-handed cup. I mean, I would definitely kind of do a search um, on the internet and you kind of just have to buy a few and see what works best. The bottom line, whatever I say, um, uh, some kids like the electric toothbrushes. They like that vibration, that stimulation, um, you know, is, is good for them. They like that vibration on their gums with or without teeth. But it's consistency. I would pick a time of day. I would definitely not do it right before you go to bed. Parents um, say to me that, it, you know, a lot of times, like, you've had enough. I would – I think that brushing – before you, after you eat and before you go to bed is critical because while you sleep, everything sits. They're not moving their tongue around. They're not talking. And that's when the damage kind of happens. So it's key to have a PM brush. But sometimes it's best to take care of that in the kitchen or right after you're finished eating. Um, and not doing it like maybe after bath and things are already kind of quieted down because a lot of times I can get the kids riled up again or everyone's kind of had a day and they're done and they need whatever bedtime 
hour is to not come soon enough, you know, sometimes. So I'm a realistic person. So I would kind of pick an earlier in the evening and just do it every single day, no matter what. I wouldn't skip unless your child like in the car and they fall asleep and you transform into their crib. But anything shy of that, even if it's for 10 seconds, you need that consistency because for everybody, that routine is key. Um, it might be a different toothbrush tonight. It might be without toothpaste because you don't want to have that fight tonight, but it needs to be some attention to the mouth. So that's what I'd recommend. And whatever you can get in there. If you, if you, whatever you can get, I mean, the two minutes twice a day is, I don't know, that's not in my parenting world in my house that that is still struggle with um, 17 and 14 year old boys. So it's, you know, you need to at least kind of get, my goal is five seconds every evening, I think is, is that anything above that, you know, you're, you're cheering yourself and you're patting yourself on the back. I mean, that's, I, it's a, it, maybe you're not going to write that in a textbook on, you know, how to care for teeth, but that's kind of like the realistic parent approach that I think that I need to make sure that parents know it's okay. It's okay. That if that's all you did tonight, it's okay. Again, this is why we love you. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Just the ease you give, because, you know, you as a parent know the pressures that we all have. And if you're a parent of a child with a disability, you you could have a little more pressure involved. I mean, we feel that way, um, but some people may not. But to us, there's just this overwhelming pressure chamber that's just kind of ready to go off, just kind of more there. And, and if we can just feel, hey, even if it's no toothpaste, just just can I get a toothbrush in my kid's mouth doing that and getting that in there and just making a routine? And then can we just move on? Yes. I know you, you, a lot of times you're like, I want my kids. I want to, or do it. They should be doing what, you know, next door is doing what my friend's doing. We fight as parents that I compare, right? Look at my child for who they are. Look at my child for who they are. But sometimes you like worry, is this what we're supposed to be? And everybody does that. But if you can just stay centered and just feel like I'm doing what I know is best for what my individual child right now, and I'm doing the best they can. And this is what our reality is, you know, in this, this quarantine. And we were having discussing before, like, what is this going to mean for our kids? We're not having these milestones met for these, you know, life events that are happening on in a virtual world or not having these experience with other, you know, peers we just have to sit back for a minute and be like well the child that's going through it has nothing else to compare it to so let's just make it the best experience we can and not try to feel pressured and 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 rushed and feel like we have to look look next to us and behind us and around us and just be present with what you have right there and be grateful for that what we have just even hearing your conversation and the pressure, you know, that we have with, you know, brushing, brushing Liam's teeth and making it into a habit. And we've had relatively good success because, because I think we've had these conversations with you and Liam has made it into a habit and he is very proud at this, you know, it was struggle, but now he'll do it on his own and he loves it because he feels so independent and he wants to come out and show us his teeth and have us smell his breath. So, but it's, it's that uh, level of ease that you, you, your words can really give. It gave me the freedom to, 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 to be there, you know, and, and sometimes we need that permission because we're always trying to, I think any parent, any mother 
any father, any guardian is always trying to do it right. And we're all doing our best. But sometimes that I'm trying to do it right can make this subtle shift into just this insurmountable pressure we put on ourselves. And it does take someone from the outside to give us the permission to not seek this perfection that we continually seek that inevitably falls with a hard hammer <laughs> of reality. Always. I know. <laughs> and the other thing is, I mean, I, I have, there's a common, I mean, my son sucked his pacifier too. He was almost six years old. I mean, his mom, dad, and grandfather are pediatric dentists. That is what, you know, David needed. I, I, it's, it's, I'm not supposed to do it. What are you doing? You're messing up his teeth. I mean, all the things I'm like, okay. But that, you know, I had to look at him in different than his brother. And, and I, I have parents, I have other people say, you have to do this and you have to do that. I'm thinking, who's the have to person? You know, all we have to do is love our kids and provide, uh, you know, uh, the safest home possible and, you know, hopefully food on their table and give them a sense of security because where they feel safe, then they can thrive and grow and be as independent as they can. So that's, I don't know, the have to stuff bothers me. It's, it's, it can be very wane and it sounds like you're doing good to have like guidelines, but sometimes it, it back, I think it backfires and then it, you, you fall as a parent and then that can spiral to something else that isn't going to be helpful for anybody, yourself, your relationship, you know, anyone at all. Well, that really is a great segue into what we like to ask guests a lot of times is an, if we knew then statement, usually it's has something to do with. Uh, Down syndrome, I was trying to figure out how to ask you this question of something that you wish you knew, uh, you know, years ago. Um, is there is there something you wish you knew years ago? About, or last week. Oh, yeah, it could be last week. <laughs> or yesterday. <laughs> something that you that you wish you knew then, and it could be about your practice or maybe just as a parent or maybe specific to Down syndrome. Um, I think... I wish I, as I'm getting older, I can want to talk on more of a parent um, to trust myself more, I think, and not question, um, not look around as much. I think that I, I wish I trusted my own instincts a little bit more instead of looking for experts all the time to give me permission to parent the way that I thought was right for, you know, my child and where they were, my boys were at that moment on at their no matter what the, you know, textbook says, where they're supposed to be, what milestone they're supposed to be reaching. If I could just trust my, you know, gut or my, you know, mommy instinct and all those kind of things that we're given with, you know, to our, those internal compasses or whatever, you know, catchphrase is important now. I think if I just kind of knew to rely on that, I think that that's probably, it would have made those first few years a lot easier for me as a parent. Just having you as our dentist really changed basically my relationship with both of my kids. Because one thing that you do that I heard so early on was the way you talked to Sophia and then Liam and the tone and the words you would use. You would say, okay, love, and just really kind, uplifting words. And you don't make a big deal out of it. It's just your vocabulary. And I started to use those words. And that's how I talked to that's how I talked to Sophia, even if she's done something that's frustrating, I'll still use a, a, a kind term of endearment. And it just, it just ch changes the environment and the relationship. And it while you're 
like for you, while you're working in their mouth doing this thing that can be very frightening. And then for me, as a parent, you take any situation and at the but at the foundation of it is care. And at and that is so important. And it's not something that's like, hey, I really care about you. So I'm going to floss your teeth now. It's just there. And I think that that's what's absorbed is that, okay, this might be scary. And this might even hurt a little bit, like the shot might hurt a little bit. But there's just this inside thing that they know that they're cared for. And and I've and I took it from you. And I use it in the home because I and it does it makes it it makes a huge difference on on any conversation or situation. So I thank you for that. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Dr. Jill, thank you so much again for being on the podcast. We always love talking to you. We would love to see you. um, But we love hearing what you have to say. You're so uh, knowledgeable. And we really appreciate all this wonderful information that we're able to share with our listeners. Thank you. I adore you both and your family and I just give you big hugs through the phone and hopefully I'll see you soon whenever the kids are ready at the office. Please follow us on Twitter at If We Knew Then Pod and you can drop us a line on our Facebook page at If We Knew Then Pod or visit our website ifwenewthen.com to send us an email with questions and comments and you can join our mailing list there and get alerts of future podcast episodes. All these links will be added to this episode's show notes. Thank you again, and we look forward to you joining us on the next episode of If We Knew Then. Come and talk.